Welcome to Hillhurst United Church, the podcast. We're really glad you're here. Whoever you are, wherever you're at, join us on the journey. Let us pray. Dear God, may your holy light, the fuel of creation, shine down upon us now, inviting each one to hear the right word for their living on this day and in the days to come. Amen. We've just heard in the scripture reading the story of the burning bush. In this story, Moses wanders out beyond the wilderness to the mountain where his attention is drawn by a burning bush. God speaks to him through the bush and he is instructed to fulfill God's call for him in the world. There was four points mentioned there, and that's how many points this sermon has, just so you have a gauge for how long we might be here. First point, the text tells us that Moses came to Horeb, the mountain of God. It was beyond the wilderness. It's an image most of us can relate to, and certainly here in Alberta, where the mountains have been the sacred structures holding up our western sky for millennia. I remember the mystery they were to me when I was younger, how impossibly large, how impossible to scale when I would hike them with my best friend back then, who thought the best way to get to the top was to park on the side of the highway and start bushwhacking through the forest from the foot. Never worked. I remember driving west with my friend Allison, who had traveled by car from Nova Scotia for the first time. John Denver played as the mountains rose in subtle glory and closed in around us as they do when you're on the number one highway heading west. I looked toward Allison in the passenger seat and realized she was weeping, overcome by the feeling of passing into that curtain of majestic draped stones for the first time. One of the first times I made it to the top of a mountain, I was with my good friend Ehor. We were heading up Hart Mountain on the edge of Kananaskis country, not far from Canmore. We got about halfway up the side of the mountain when the sky started to blow and rain and then snow even. We tucked ourselves into the edge of the pine forest on the east end of the rocky trail and hunkered down to see if it would last. Soon we saw other hikers coming down the trail, turning back, unprepared to face the rain and the mountain climb at the same time. But we found a snack in our backpacks and waited. Soon it let up. We emerged from our nook in the trees to find a full double rainbow heralding the sun's return in the valley below, and we began climbing up toward that heart-shaped outcropping of rock at the top again, now gloriously alone on the trail as most others had gone home in the short squall. After a few wrong turns, righted, we eventually found the marker indicating the safe path where others had scaled the last part of the mountain, and we emerged, finally, on the top. There really isn't much in this world I've found as exhilarating as being on the top of a mountain. Seeing the whole world descend around you, animals, forests, rivers, and the city far off. Being near the clouds changes one's perspective, and I think it's what led Moses to connect with God in the shape of a burning bush. Not only because being on a mountain changes one's viewpoint, but although that is significant, 
but also because getting there requires significant physical and mental effort. We have to push our bodies to work hard in that climb and cross over mental barriers that call us to turn back. And so my first point in the sermon is to invite you to experience the climb for yourself. It's through the climb, literal or figurative, that we meet God. Did Moses struggle with the mountain climb before he approached the burning bush? This brings me to my second point. The story of the burning bush is frequently offered as a miracle God performed to get Moses' attention. It's a very elemental image, God speaking within, from within a fire. And fire is a transformational force in nature. But as author Lawrence Kushner points out, given the size of miracles God demonstrated in the early Hebrew Bible text, such as parting the Red Sea, why would he use something so undramatic as a burning bush to get Moses' attention? Kushner proposes that we should look further into the process of combustion to understand the purpose of the act. A person would have to watch wood burning for a considerable length of time to recognize that it isn't actually being consumed. It takes several minutes even for dry kindling to burn. This suggests that Moses must have been watching the bush for several minutes in order to actually recognize that a miracle was taking place. Thus, Kushner proposes, the burning bush wasn't a miracle at all. It was a test. God wanted to find out if Moses could pay attention to something for more than a few minutes. When Moses did, God spoke. Thus, the invitation might be to pay attention. What is going on around you even now? We have to sit in creation and listen for the voices that lift around us in the stillness long enough to behold the miracle. This is a call to embodied presence in nature, an invitation to contemplation, a call to see the whole of creation or a single bush with fresh attention. And with fresh attention, I invite you now to a Mary Oliver poem. It's called The Moth, the Mountains, and the Rivers. Who can guess the Luna's sadness who lives so briefly? Who can guess the impatience of stone longing to be ground down, to be part again of something livelier? Who can imagine in what heaviness the rivers remember their original clarity? Strange questions, yet I have spent worthwhile time with them, and I suggest them to you also, that your spirit grow in curiosity, that your life be richer than it is, that you bow to the earth as you feel how it actually is, that we, so clever, so ambitious and selfish and unrestrained, are only one design of the moving, the vivacious many. I chose this poem because two days ago, my mother, who lives in Nova Scotia, sent me a picture, a photograph of a luna moth that she saw resting on the doorstop of her house, a very rare sight and a beautiful image. God told Moses to remove his shoes, for the place where he stood was holy ground. When I read these words, I can't help but apply them to the whole of creation. Sorry, I'm going to restate, start right there again. Just from God told Moses. 
God told Moses to remove his shoes, for the place where he stood was holy ground. When I read these words, I can't help but apply them to the whole of creation, to see it as a call and an invitation to view this ground upon which I now stand as holy and treat it as such. The burning bush reminds us that God's country, the wilderness, is holy ground. We should respect it. We should take off our shoes. And here is another reason to take off your shoes, earthing. Have you heard of this? Look it up. It's right next to forest bathing. There is some good material that suggests we are disconnected from the earth, which could be a great source of healing for us if we would only physically connect with it. Simply by following God's instructions to Moses, we might experience healing. Take off your shoes, Moses. This is holy ground. Going barefoot unites us with the earth and creates vulnerability. Through our bare feet, we can be refilled with the energy of living that fills the very earth. Imagine, if you will, that your feet are like the two prongs in an electrical cord. Earthers say that when you bear them and walk, sit, or lay on the earth itself, you are literally energized, even healed, as you plug in to the earth. Through it, we re-experience feelings what it feels like that we recall when we were a child of grass on our ankles and dirt between our toes. And it's also a reminder that we are earth. From the earth we come. Through the earth we are nourished, and to the earth we return. But Moses was invited by God to much more than an earthing experience. He was called for a great task, to lead the Israelites out of Egypt in defiance of the king who had enslaved them. Note that he wasn't called to make war with the Egyptians, but rather take their wealth where possible and leave with those who had been enslaved. It was not an invitation to violence, but a call to freedom, to wonder, miracles, and faith. Third point. Moses asked for the name of God, and God says, I am who I am, Yahweh in Hebrew. God says to Moses, I will be with you, and God is here. God offers to Moses the name Yahweh. Yahweh offers us both a reflection on breath and on consciousness. Yahweh is the very sound of our first and last breath in life. Breathing in, yeah, breathing out, way. And I am is an acceptance and recognition of personal consciousness. That is what God called Moses to, and this is what God calls us to, conscious awareness. When we develop greater awareness of ourselves and others, this doesn't mean being stuck in the ego ride of I am what I am, but getting off of the personal ride and into the groove of awareness of how our actions and words affect others. And this leads me to invite you, as you are climbing the mountain or sitting under a tree, barefoot of course, contemplating what the earth might have to say to you, to also consider the transformational process that allows our breath. We breathe oxygen, a gift of light made available to, to us through photosynthesis. It comes in generating energy in our bodies for voice, for action, for word. And it goes out as carbon dioxide, closing the relational loop to the tree under which we sit. Let us recognize the holy light surrounding the earth, generating the interdependent flow of life and give thanks.
Returning to Moses, it is as a result of God's call to him through the burning bush that Moses becomes an important leader of the Jewish people and God's prophet in the world. From a baby in a basket floating down the river to a mighty voice for God. But Moses wants to deny God's call, and this is my final point. He initially argues against it, asking God to send someone else. Who am I that I should go and bring the Israelites out of Egypt, he asks. Basically, he says, God, point your finger at someone else, please. I'm a big fan of the idea of calling, and I recommend the book Called by Name by Robert Fury. I've learned to have faith in the idea that we all have a calling and that we find it by listening for the call of something larger pulling on us to act, for hospitality, for justice, in service of the bountiful created earth, and in service of others. Marcia Preger says that entering into relationship with God means finding God in our lives, opening ourselves to the presence of divinity all around us. God winks at us from everything, she says, reminding us that beneath the surface appearance of things lies a deeper reality and a deeper truth. Rabbi Abraham Joshua Heschel taught that the reason that Jewish people make no portraits of God is not because God has no face, but because all faces are God's face. To select one and elevate it above others would be incredibly incomplete. Every time I say you to my beloved, I speak also to God, says Preger. Martin Buber's great work, I Thou, invites this too. The passion for full relationship with you, the other. We emulate the eye of God and see into the heart when we break through our usual sense of detachment and separateness into true intimacy. I bring my whole being to meet you. We extend ourselves to meet each other and find ourselves being met, being known, says Prager. Moses heard the call and ultimately he listened. We live in times of great division and polarity, whether the topic is vaccination, political, will, or racial justice, there is division. The best we can do in times like these, I suggest, is to get quiet and listen for what God is asking us to do. Whether we are wrestling with making the best decisions about our own health, with the best way to love our neighbor, or with the truth of colonization, I think whatever voice comes to us and whatever instructions it offers, if its source arrives through God's creation, the earth stunning and varied, the instructions will be in service of love and peace and justice. Where is the fire of God burning in your life? And what is it asking you to do? May we each hear God's voice inviting us to act in service of love as we walk through the beauty of creation on this day. Amen. Thanks so much for tuning in to Hillhurst United Church, the podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode and are thinking about someone who might enjoy it too, we invite you to send it their way and help the podcast grow. We're really glad you're here and we'd love to know what you thought about today's sermon. Leave us a review in iTunes or send us an email at communications at hillhurstunited.com. We'd love to hear from you.